Hey friends, welcome back to the Pulpit Pew Podcast and this week's adult Bible study as we continue in Exodus and the life of Moses. We've only got a few more weeks. We're going to do next week, which is the 24th, the next week, which is like the 31st, then one more week in January before we do something new. So we've got three more weeks after this one. This week we were in chapter 19 and 20. We did not cover the Ten Commandments, but we covered everything around them. Next week I will go back to the Ten Commandments, but... This week we were looking into, and I'm going to say it feels like a hundred times after I teach it, I think back of what I said, but we're going to teach the circumstances around it, what God was trying to teach them, and uh, we're going to talk about the holiness of God. So all of that is coming up right now in your this week's study. I hope you have a wonderful Christmas. I'm trying to remember, I will have one more lesson probably next Thursday before Christmas, but I hope you guys have a wonderful Christmas. Thank you for being a friend to the podcast for so long. This has been going on for uh, almost five years. Was that right? Almost four years. It'll be four years in the first Sunday of January. And um, I think I think I almost went back on that, but I think we're going to continue into the new year and uh, see how it goes. Maybe I'll go on a six-month basis at that point and see where we are in six months after that. So anyways, without further ado, let's get into this week's adult Bible study, Exodus 19 and 20. Let's go. Let's go to Exodus 19 to start today. Exodus chapter 19. And um, today, if I don't usually give titles to my lessons much because I used to be real big on that. There was a time when I was a kid, Dad was real big on titles as well because we, we have a couple of evangelists come in and they were like so good with their titles. And they, we would remember them for our entire, like we'd be talking about it on the way to school. I remember as a little kid. But uh, <clears throat> now it's more of, or you can have a great title, but if the content does fall flat, what's it really matter? <clears throat> this is not necessarily a great title. The, the reason it sticks with me, and I've taught this lesson in the past, or part of, kind of like this lesson, but I had just entitled it a Talk from Heaven because God is preparing His people, Israel, who He's led out, who He has, we've, we've seen Him come through the plagues and, <clears throat> excuse me, everything. God is now going to have a very important conversation with his people, a talk. I kind of picture it sometimes I would have to have a talk with my dad. It would be mom would say, hey, this is back before dad was a pastor when he worked in the factory. And mom would say, hey, I've told your dad. Of course, they didn't have cell phones back then. So she had to actually call the work, get him to come over, let him know what me and my brother had done. She said, when your dad gets home, you're going to have a talk, talk with your dad. So I remember hearing that garage door come open, and that means he was home, and I thought, oh, boy, here we go. You know, I'm going to have a talk with Dad, because we were wrestling around, got in some trouble, broke some things, or whatever it would have been as a kid with two brothers pretty close in age. So I titled this A Talk from Heaven, and it's God going to lay out for his people the, the Ten Commandments. Now, when I say Ten Commandments, everyone in this room knows what I'm talking about. You may not be able to quote all ten, but we know the, what the Ten Commandments mean and what they are. But... If you're one of these children of Israel right now, they don't know Ten Commandments, but they're about to learn. And today, I'm going to see more kind of the prep of this talk from heaven and what the purpose of all this was about. And then next week, we'll get back to the Ten Commandments. But we left off, we finished chapter 18 last week. <clears throat> Let's pick up chapter 19 and see a little bit about the conditions of this talk. There was the conditions that were going on. Starting in verse 19, or verse 1, it says, In the third month when the children of Israel were gone forth out of the land of Egypt, 
The same day came they into the wilderness of Sinai. Now they're going to stay here at the Mount Sinai for about 11 months or so. They're going to be here. It's going to cover about 57 chapters in the Bible. My brother was just kind of giving me this knowledge before we got in here. I thought, I'm going to steal that and let you guys know, all right? But it's going to cover about 57 chapters in the Bible, which is interesting because they're going to be after this in the wilderness for 40 years, and it's not going to cover that many verses. So, But for 47 or 57 chapters, we're going to be at Mount Sinai. But it says in verse 2, And they were departed from Rephidim, and were come to the desert of Sinai, and had pitched in the wilderness, and there Israel encamped before the mount. And Moses went up unto God, and the Lord called him out to the mountain, saying, Thus shalt thou say to the house of Jacob, or Israel, and tell the children of Israel, Ye have seen what I did to the Egyptians, how they bear, how I bear you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Really interesting language right there he uses. He, this has been a constant theme and will be throughout the Old Testament. He says, you see what I did to Egypt. And that's a constant. You remember what I did in redeeming you. It's kind of like us reminding us about salvation. You remember when you were a sinner. You remember when you received Christ. He's saying, you remember when you were in bondage. You saw what I did to Egypt. But then the interesting language he uses, he says, I bear you on eagle's wings. I brought you to myself. There's this sense of compassion of compassion or concern how god is caring for them he's been watching over them this entire time i could go more in depth there i don't think i will right now maybe i'll come back but verse 5 says now therefore if you will obey my voice indeed and keep my covenant then ye shall be a peculiar treasure unto me above all people for all the earth is mine so you see god's challenge to this people israel these are his people that's why even today modern day as israel is in the battle over there and all this is going on we're like well should we really side with israel yes we should side with israel because it is god's peculiar people does that mean israel is doing everything 100 percent right right now no because even though israel is god's people israel as a whole doesn't look at jesus christ as the messiah israel as a whole is a still for the most part lost now are there children of israel or people of israel that are saved yes for the most part, just because they're Israel doesn't mean they're all going to heaven. You understand that they still need to receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. But whether or not they're saved, they're still God's people. And we want to make sure that we are on the side of God's people. Because, boy, I saw this today. Not today, this week. There was a guy that was stood up at the, was it the Turkish? Uh, I think it was the Tur- Turkish parliament or something. And he was speaking. Did you, did you see that? And he was speaking against Israel. And when he had a heart attack right there, fell over on the ground. I don't know if he died or not. And I don't know, uh, that, I always want to be careful in these situations. I don't know that that was God doing it. But it did make me think, you talk about Israel, God says, I will bless those that bless thee, and I will curse those that curse thee. I'm not saying that was God. I'm not going to be the guy that says that was definitely God. Because there's a lot of people speaking against Israel, and they're not all dropping dead. But it was nationalized, it was on TV, and now it's all over Twitter. Thousands of people are able to see it interesting but um, i do believe that god these are still god's people but he said to them all the way back here thousands of years before he said you will be a peculiar treasure unto me and he says the earth is mine he says and ye shall be unto me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation these are the words which thou shalt speak unto the children of israel he said moses i want you to go tell this to the children of israel so Moses, verse 7, came down and called for the elders of the people and laid before their faces all the words that the Lord commanded. And all the people answered together and said, 
all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And Moses returned the words of the people to the Lord. So he goes back to the Lord and says, hey, all went well. They're going to do it. Everything's great, right? No problems. So the Lord said to Moses, lo, I come to thee in a thick cloud. And the people may hear when I speak. So he goes, now I'm going to say, this is interesting. So I want to say something now. It's not just to you, Moses. I've been speaking to Moses. Then Moses tells the people. People tell Moses, even though God already knows. And Moses tells the people. He says, now I want to speak something. And when I talk, I want they're going to hear too. That's what he's saying in verse 9. He says, they may hear when I speak with thee and believe thee forever. And Moses told the words of the people unto the Lord. And the Lord said unto Moses, go unto the people and sanctify them today and tomorrow and let them wash their clothes so now we're getting into what i wanted to get to starting verse 10 the conditions of this talk god said i'm going to have a conversation with the people now not just you moses with everybody they're going to hear me but i i want them to there's some things that they have to do and i want to the answer to the question i want to get to today and we're going to get there is why is god making them do these things what is God trying to show the people with the Ten Commandments, with this conversation, with the conditions? Why is he doing this? I want to tell you right now, but we're going to see. I mean, I'm not going to quiz you. I want to let you think about that and have your form your own answer here, and then I will tell you here in a bit. So here's what God says. Before I will talk to the people, they need to do this. Verse 10 said they need to wash their clothes. So why is that important? Well, we'll come back to it. Remember, they didn't have washers all like that we do. So they would go a while without washing their clothes. They didn't have changes of clothes like we do. A lot of you, some of you got into a closet today that had a lot of clothes. And you had to be like, eh, I don't know what I'm going to wear. Back then, they didn't have all that. They didn't have washers and dryers and everything. So you, I mean, it was a good day. You would wash your stuff for big events. God's saying, this is going to be a big talk. Make sure they wash their clothes and they're, cl- and they're clean on the outside. Verse 11. And be ready against the third day. For the third day the Lord will come down in the sight of all the people upon the Mount Sinai. And thou shalt set bounds unto the people round about them, saying, Take heed to yourselves that ye go not up to the mount or touch the border of it. Don't touch the mountain. Don't touch the border of the mountain. Whosoever touches the mountain shall surely be put to death. Well, that's interesting. So they're going to have to set some sort of bounds around this mountain because... The people are going to be tempted to go up and touch this mountain. Set some bounds about it. I don't want them to go beyond that. Don't want them to touch the mountain. The moment they touch that mountain, they're going to die. Because God said, I'm coming down to that mountain. I'm going to be on top of this mountain speaking to you. And so I don't want anyone touching it. If they touch it, they're going to die. So again, they've got to wash their clothes. They've got to set bounds around this mountain to make sure no one else touches it because God will be there. So in the back of your mind, think, why is God doing this? All right, we'll come back to it. Verse 13, there shall not a hand touch it, but he shall surely be stoned or shot through. Whether it be beast or man, it shall not live. Even an animal touches it, it's not going to live. Whether it be trumpet, soundeth long, they shall come to the mount. When the trumpet soundeth long, they shall come to the mount. And Moses went down from the mountain to the people and sanctified the people and washed their clothes. And he said to the people, be ready against the third day, come not at your wife. So I won't get into the details on that, but he's saying even your marriage relationships, not even that. You can't even do that until this talk is over with God. So he's saying, put aside, wash your clothes, don't set bounds around the mountain, no physical relationship with your spouse. All this stuff is put aside for the time being because I'm going to have a talk with you. So God's setting up some pretty big things. Now, you and I know, because we've read ahead in the Bible, he's going to come in chapter 20 and give them the Ten Commandments. 
They don't know that. So they're going, what is going on? What is, what is God trying to share with us? But he's, he's setting the stage and he's giving them all of this context. And, he's, and, and I think even Moses, then when he comes back to them in verse 16 of them, he's telling them, uh, he goes back and says, hey, one more time, tell them, don't set that bound and don't touch the mountain. It's almost like, it's like when you tell a kid, don't do this. And you're like, yeah, they're going to do it. And they do it. It's like God knew that they were going to disobey. And he said, go tell them again, do not touch the mountain. So then in verse 20, and the Lord came down upon the Mount Sinai on the top of the mount. And the Lord called up Moses up to the top of the mount and Moses went up. Can you just imagine this for a second? I know we're reading and this isn't the most exciting thing when you're just reading, but can you imagine Moses for a second, what he must have seen when God's presence hit that mountain. Everybody else is scared to touch the mountain. All this, all the chatter, you can just listen to all the chatter. Two million people gathered around this thing. And what is happening? No one knows what's going on. Then God said, hey, Moses, come on up. So he's the only one that's allowed to touch. These animals are not even supposed to be on there. And now he's heading up this mountain to see what God is going to say. And the Lord said to Moses, go down, charge the people, lest they break through the Lord's to gaze, and many of them perish. He said, Moses comes up, he says, go back down. Tell those people, because they're going to want to see this. It's just funny how he knows our human condition. They're going to look at this and be like, oh, I just want to gaze. I just want to see. They're going to try to get a little bit closer, touch that mountain, and die. He goes, go back down the mountain. So Moses is probably like, all right, God, I got this. He goes back down the mountain to tell the people, do not touch this. You're going to perish. And he says, let, and let the priests also, which come near the Lord, sanctify themselves. I want them to sanctify themselves. Tell them again, lest the Lord break forth upon them. And Moses said unto the Lord, The people cannot come up to the mount. For thou chargest us, saying, Set bounds about the mount, sanctify it. And the Lord said unto him, Away, get thee down, thou shalt come up. And, and uh, my mind, I just keep thinking, Moses may have been saying that just so he didn't have to go down again and back up. That's what I was thinking. But my mind goes a little creative on this sometimes. But he says, Away, get thee down, thou shalt come down to Aaron with thee. But the priests... And the people break through and come up unto the Lord, lest he break forth upon them. So Moses went down unto the people and spake unto them. All right, so I went through most of that just to kind of set the stage. We have all these conditions that God has set, as I've mentioned. They've got to be sanctified, wash their clothes, set bounds by the mountain, don't touch. And then all of a sudden, as it, later on we're going to see, look at uh, chapter 20, verse 18. It says, and all the people, here's what they saw. They saw thunderings and lightnings and the noise of the trumpet and the mountain smoking. And when the people saw it, they removed and stood afar off. Now they don't have to worry about touching it because whatever it was was so frightening. With some of you, just when the lightning and thunder, maybe some of you, even as adults, the lightning and thunders, you're still like, oh no, is everything okay? You know, I know whenever there's a tornado, can I, whenever, I remember when there was a tornado, when I, Michelle and I first got married, and there was like a warning it could be a tornado and i was just like okay it could be a tornado she's like we got to get up to jacob and cody's house we got to get in the basement I'm like whoa whoa you know, it's funny when two lives come together later in life like i'm just like well it's gonna be a tornado and it was like we got to get up there we got to get bunkered down i'm like well hold on a second man it's just a warning i think we're fine but it was like we got to go and then we heard the, i heard the story of it what i did learn is trees are always down and we could get stuck but it was like parent like we got to where what, what happened i thought a tornado already hit us i didn't know what was going on it was like should we go up to Jacob, like I don't need to go to Jacob and Cody's house, but but some of some of you, you know, the storms it is a little frightening. Now here they're just standing at the base of this mountain and they see smoke, they see thunder, they see lightning, all of this coming, and then they hear the voice. 
It says a voice like a trumpet. It's in verse 18. They saw the mountain smoking. The people saw it removed, stood far off. And they said unto Moses, here's what they said to Moses. Speak thou with us, and we will hear. But let not God speak with us, lest we die. They got the whole, they got it. Exactly what God wanted them to get, they are getting it. Now, when I just read to you verses 18 and 19, they had already heard the message from God starting in verse number 20, or excuse me, verse number one of chapter 20, which was the Ten Commandments. Because as they all stood around, they saw Moses come back down one more time. Moses said, all right, guys, I just pictured him going, all right, guys, listen, don't touch the mountain. God told me to come down one more time and just say, don't touch the mountain, okay? And they're like, okay, we're good. And then all of a sudden it started. The thunder, the lightning, and the speaking. And the first words they heard, and I'm going to get into this next part next week, but the first words they heard was, I am the Lord thy God, verse 2, which have brought thee out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. And then he goes into the Ten Commandments. And when he has done, along with all the smoke and everything, verse 19 is where I wanted to get to because the people said, Hey, Moses, you can keep talking to us but not God. And wasn't saying this in a rebellious way. They were saying, we cannot even speak to God because we are such a sinful people. And the thing that I've been telling you to think about, why was God telling them to wash their clothes? Why was God telling them to set bounds around? Why was God doing all this? Because God was wanting to show them his holiness. And he was going to give the Ten Commandments to show their sinfulness. Remember in Galatians, it says that the, the law was given as a schoolmaster that to, to show us, it's to bring us unto Christ, but to show us our need. The Ten Commandments was never given so that you can get, be saved and you can get to heaven. The purpose of the Ten Commandments is to show the holiness of God and to show the sinfulness of you and I. And so that's exactly what God was establishing here. He didn't want these people just rolling up to the mountain thinking, all right, let's go, let's get this show on, what are we doing? He wanted them to be prepared because this was a big moment. It was going to show them how holy God is. And it was going to show them that they cannot come to God. They are, they are sinful people that, yes, God redeemed them. Yes, God loves them. But they are f- so far short of who God is, that God is a holy God. And so that is what they're seeing. And, and then when you see the thunder and the lightning all throughout the Bible, it's always a picture. It's always a uh, re- representation of God's judgment and God's power. So here they're seeing we can't come to, we can't even touch the mountain because God's there. Then they see his thundering and, and, and all of that's going on. And immediately they got the point and they said, Moses, you can just keep talking to us. We can't go to God. What they were saying was this, we need a mediator between us and God. Well, it was a great picture because thousands of years later, that mediator would come. His name is Jesus. And really the truth is today in the New Testament, what does God tell us in James? Today, God says, draw nigh to me. Well, how do we draw nigh to God? He didn't lose any of his holiness and we aren't any more spiritual than the Israelites. So what's, what's changed? Jesus Christ is what's changed. Because now Jesus Christ allows us to go to the Father. That's why it says in Hebrews that we can come boldly before the throne of grace. Why can I come boldly to the throne when when they had to stand back? Well, now we can come boldly to the throne because of Jesus Christ. We are in Jesus Christ. 
It's only because of Christ and his payment for our sins that we can even we can come to God because we're not holy in and of ourselves, but the holiness of Christ was put on our account when we received him as Savior. So we're able to, that's now the New Testament tells us to draw nigh. And they could draw nigh to God back then, but there was bounds. They didn't have Christ yet. The, the atonement hasn't, hadn't been paid. So they had some foreshadowing. They had to take sheep and sacrifice and all that was going to come over in the next chapters as God was going to lay out all of the ways that they could try to come to him. And over the next few chapters, we're not going to get into all of this in our Exodus study, but it's, it's interesting how this starts because he's showing them his holiness and their sinfulness, basically saying, you can't come to me. But over the next 57 chapters or so and more, he's going to lay out, here's the, here's the tabernacle. Here's the different sacrifices, all of Leviticus. Have you ever read Leviticus before? It can get really tough, really difficult to read because they're saying, take this bull, sacrifice him, sprinkle his blood on the altar. Take this sheep, sacrifice him, sprinkle his blood. And you're like, man, there's a lot of killing going on. Why? Well, because of this chapter right here. The people are like, we can't get to God. And God said, my, and he's saying, my Savior's going to come, but he's not here yet. And so until then, we're going to sacrifice animals and do all of this because a mediator had not yet come. And God is holy and we are sinful and we can't come. But thankfully now, Jesus Christ has come for us and so we can come boldly before the throne of grace. So there were some conditions for the talk. He wanted, in, the, in those conditions, he wanted the people to see the sinfulness of themselves and the holiness of God. And I want to just take a few minutes here in the rest of this time to talk a little bit about that because I think today sometimes we we can fail to see the holiness of God and there's there's two different thoughts on this some some um, are good at emphasizing the holiness of God so they're extremely reverential with God but they stand way far away from God and they don't realize they can come to God boldly there's others that are really lazy about the holiness of God, and they just think, oh, I'll just come to God. Like, hey, what's up, God? What's, you know, it's kind of like you're dabbing God. When you, I don't know if dab, is that dab? What is this? I don't know my lingo, you know. I'm a little 42 now. So. But they, they, it's like they, they just, it's so lackadaisical with God, and, it, and they forget about the reverence of God, and they forget about the holiness of God. So you have two extremes. So how are we really to approach this? Well, Moses said in verse 20, Moses said unto the people, fear not. You don't have to fear. He said, for God has come to prove you that ye may fear, that, that his fear may be before your faces and that ye sin not. And the people stood afar off. And Moses drew near in the thick darkness where God was. So Moses gave him an answer. He says, hey guys, don't, don't fear. See, they saw their sinfulness in this. They saw their need for a mediator. But he was saying, you don't have to fear. We don't have to fear today the holiness of God because of Jesus Christ. Uh, but we ought to have a reverence for that holiness of God. And it ought to drive us to do exactly what Moses said here. We ought to have a reverential fear of God and not sin. You see, when we get a focus on the holiness of God, it ought to drive us away from sin. Now, I, I could, I probably should have. But uh, I, w I wrote down a lot of verses. I didn't write out all of the verses, just the references. Of that talk about the fear of the Lord. 
And the Bible emphasizes over and over again in the Old Testament that you and I are to fear God, but it doesn't mean in the way that a lot of times we use the word fear. Like if a snake were to crawl underneath this door right now, you would learn fear from me, okay? I'd be climbing up over these guys. I'll be living, I'll be scared to death. I just watched one the other day. It's Snake Handler, Kentucky. You guys scrolling through Facebook too and see this? I don't know, a few years ago. His dad died, Snake Handler in Kentucky. His dad died in 2014 handling a snake and preaching, and the snake, rattlesnake bit him, and he died. Oh, interesting. That's kind of how snakes do when you have a rattlesnake. But they believe in faith healing and all this, and the guy died. His son didn't learn from that, holding the snake. I watched the video, and I'm going to have nightmares for the rest of my life. Just, he just holding the snake and preaching, thing bites him in the ear. And then he's like, oh, God, to heal me, and he's still just preaching, and then he just falls, starts puking, and he goes to the hospital. He actually survived it. His face... You look at his face, you wouldn't think he survived it at first and all this. But um, anyways, how did I get sidetracked on that? But uh, don't, if, if our pastor starts handling snakes and preaching, just run, all right? Because uh, something messed up about that. But, the, but we, we, we understand when it comes to that kind of fear, but the fear that we're supposed to have, we're supposed to have a fear of the Lord. And the Bible tells us several things I'm giving to you fast. The Bible says when you have a proper fear of the Lord, it's the actual beginning of wisdom and knowledge in Proverbs, Proverbs chapter 1. So the beginning of wisdom, if you want to have wisdom, you want to have knowledge, it starts with having a reverential fear of God. That's the beginning of it. So those that don't fear God at all, there's no wisdom there. There may be some book knowledge, but there's no wisdom because the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, it says in Proverbs 1. And also in Proverbs 1, it says the fear of the Lord is ours to choose in verse 29. We got to choose it. We can choose to walk out of here and say, I don't really care what God does. A lot of people choose that. We got to choose the fear of the Lord. In Proverbs 3 and Proverbs 8 and Proverbs 16, it says that the fear of the Lord causes us to separate and from sin. And that's what Moses is teaching the people here. But there ought to be that, that reverential fear that we have of God, that because we love God, we say, you know what, I just, I can't do this. I've talked to a few people, and I remember even at school, when I went to school at Cloverdale, I, I didn't really fear getting in trouble at the school. I feared coming home and getting in trouble with my mom and dad. And some of you were the same way. I've talked to some they're like, yeah, I didn't really care about getting in trouble at school. It's when I got home, I knew I was in trouble. And that's what I was. I did, you know, I had respect for my teachers, but I did not want to get in trouble with dad. But that's the, the idea behind this, this verse is we have such a reverential fear of God that we say, I don't even want to take part in any sin. That's what Proverbs teaches. Proverbs says, the fear of the Lord prolongeth our days. Proverbs says, Proverbs 14 says, the fear of the Lord gives us strong confidence and it says in Proverbs 23 that the fear of the Lord should be a constant attitude in our lives in verse 17. So I just went through six things real fast. But what I'm saying is what Moses wanted or what God wanted the people to see in chapter 19 was that they need to fear him. And it's the same thing he wants for us today. We need to have a reverential fear for the holiness of God that causes us to say, hey, you know what? I don't want anything to do with sin. Are we going to be perfect? No. But we need that reverential fear of God. And it comes from understanding the holiness of God. Because I wrote this down in my notes, the holiness of God in the lives of Christians does a few things. It produces that fear. It produces a confidence in the promises of God. Because if, I feel, if you understand the holiness of God, then you know that God cannot sin and God will keep his promises. So when I have a proper respect of, of his holiness, I can have confidence in his promises. The holiness of God should produce praise according to Psalm 30. And the holiness of God should produce a standard to live by. Remember in 1 Peter, he says, Be ye like your father. 
And if our Father's holy, we ought to be holy. We ought to strive for holiness. And so there ought to be this mindset in us that if God is truly a holy God, we can't be lackadaisical with sin. We can't be lackadaisical when we come to God. There's got to be this sense that they had when they, when they came to this and they saw the thunderings, they saw the lightnings, and they, and they had all of the restrictions that were already on them. And then they said, Moses, you have got to be the mediator. That's where it ought to drive us in our lives today in the modern day where we say, you know what, God, I don't deserve this. But because of Jesus, I'm here. Because of Jesus, I'm, I'm praying. That's why when we pray at the end, sometimes we'll say, in Jesus' name. I know some people say, well, you shouldn't say that. I've heard all arguments of why you shouldn't say in Jesus' name, amen. But I still do, and I still think it's biblical. And one of the reasons is because everything I just prayed leading up to that is nothing without Jesus. Like I, I have no. God's not obligated to answer anything that Brad says outside of because of Jesus Christ, and so we pray. I believe we pray in the name of Jesus to the Father, and at the same time as we pray that Jesus intercedes on our behalf. And so, uh, so I think that when we the reason that we today, as we pray or anything that we do, we're doing it in the name of Jesus. In verse twenty-two, and I'm done. And 23, and the Lord said to Moses, so after they saw the holiness, the judgment, the Lord said to Moses, thus shalt thou say unto the children of Israel. So after it's kind of calmed down and everything, he says, thou shalt, thus shalt thou say to the children of Israel, you have seen that I have talked with you from heaven. There's where I got the, the title of my thought. You see that I have talked with you from heaven. Ye shall not make with me gods of silver, neither shall you make me gods of gold. And he's basically just going to go right into what he just said. He goes, I just want you to obey. And so the command in 22 and 23 is just go and do, go and do what you've been taught. Because of God's holiness, go and do what you've been taught. And I think in a room this size, everybody in here, you know for the most part what the Bible teaches. It's just, it's just our day-to-day struggles on whether we obey it or not. It's like, eh, I know that I shouldn't have a bad attitude, but I have a bad attitude. Or I know I shouldn't lie, but I lied. Or I know I shouldn't get angry, but I got angry. Whatever it may be, it's just the day-to-day battles. But when we get a good picture of the holiness of God, it helps us live the Christian life. And so Moses, I know I skipped over to one through whatever, and so we lose some of the all when God just begins to speak. Imagine for them hearing the audible voice of God belting out those Ten Commandments. But it caused in them a fear that they needed. And I think today we need that proper fear of God. Because it seems like in our churches, people are just way too lackadaisical with sin. It's just like, oh, I sin, whatever. It's no big deal. It's like, well, God's obligated to forgive me now. Because when I confess it, He's got to forgive. So I'll just keep on doing my thing. And there's actually a book out by that, something about grace, and it kind of makes it like, well, you just do whatever you want. But I don't think when you have the true fear of God, it ought to break our hearts when we sin because we know God's holiness and we have that right fear. So something to think on. Next week we'll get back into that actual talk. Today was kind of the conditions of the talk and the aftermath of the talk. But then we'll get into the Ten Commandments a little bit next week. It is the 24th next week, Christmas Eve. We do still have Sunday school. And um, so keep that in mind. And I think we go in Exodus through the first week of January. And then we're meeting Monday to see, see what 
series, what lessons we're going to be doing, and talk about a plan out next year, what lessons we'll be teaching. So keep that in mind, but uh, let's pray, and we'll get out to the service.